welcome to Tiny Voice Talks with me, Toria Bono. And if it's your first time, really welcome. To all our regular listeners, welcome back. Today, Tiny Voice is talking about equality. Now, I know that we've talked about inequality before, so we're focusing on equality. Um, And I'm doing that with Ashna Mantani. So, welcome, Ashna. Thank you so much, Toria. It's such a pleasure to be here. I'm I'm so excited and so honoured to be a part of Tiny Voice Talks. Well, I'm so excited you're here because you're basically here all the way from Dubai, and that is the wonders of modern technology. Oh, absolutely. Who would have thought I'd ever be doing a podcast recording with a fantastic teacher all across in the UK? <laughs> yeah, it's. I just love the fact that Twitter and, you know, that it has really enabled me to get global connections going. And I, you know, I love connecting with people just like you, Ashna. So for the people that haven't connected with you just yet, who is Ashna Mantani? Okay, that's a good question. And I think that's quite a heavy question, but I liked it. I like thinking about who I am um, and most importantly, who I am outside of my job or outside of my family or outside of my friend circle. Um, And I think Ashna Matani is an education enthusiast who is passionate about all things for equality within education, whether that's gender, race, or any other issues. I am passionate about equality but most importantly, Ashna Matani wants students to have a better time in schools. And that's where my passion in education really lies. I love that. An education enthusiast. You need a badge <laughs> with that on or a T-shirt. I am an education enthusiast. Love that. Right. I mean, so who else am I if I'm not, if I'm not yeah. an education enthusiast? I'm not a teacher, of course, because I don't have my teaching license. So who am well, I? And I'm an education enthusiast. <laughs> well, let's talk about, you know, teaching, because you said you yeah. don't have the teaching certificate, etc. But where has this passion for education come from then? Yeah, that's a good question. That's actually my favorite question, because I love talking about this story so much. Um, and I remember it like it was yesterday. Um, and so I'm going to rewind a little bit back to when I was in high school. Um, and I went to a private British school here in the UAE. So we did the UK curriculum. Um, and in the UAE, most schools are privatized. So you go to the type of school that you can kind of afford. Um, and I went to just your average school. It was wonderful people, but the actual teaching and learning side of things quite lacked. Um, you had to find a lot of external support with tuitions or your parents had to really support you with the type of school I went to. So a lot of my anger um, and frustrations within education started from my school. I never felt supported. I never felt like there was equality. And I was actually quite um, a humanities-based student. So I studied sociology and psychology. And I felt like people really only cared about the students who wanted to study engineering or wanted to do these traditional kind of pathways. So I always felt neglected, which made me very, very angry. Um, But anyways, aside from that anger, in 2013, I was actually invited by my school to go to Kenya. Um, And the reason why they invited me to go to Kenya is because the Varki Gems Foundation, um, which is a charitable organization, was starting a school there for the kids um, who were in poverty um, and who couldn't afford to go to school. So they raised money. All of these schools, we did these charity drives. And I actually remember taking part in so many of them and like being a part of it. 
we raised money and we wanted to build a school there and they asked one child from each from the top five schools to come and represent and meet the students and talk to them and to just be a part of that ceremony where they were building the school and it completely changed my life like I Mm. was so blown away I met these students and and you know the difference was insane like they were talking about how this school was about to change their life. And on the other side of the world, I dreaded waking up every single day. And I remember there was one moment where we were actually invited into one of the students' houses. And I remember very well, he was 22 years old, which is how old I am right now. So it's crazy to think he was my age and just starting off in school. He invited us to his house where he had illegal electricity. Um, He was finding a way to rewire some wires and getting one single light bulb in his small hut. And he had cotton on the side of the wall, which he was selling to make an income so that he could attend school. And what he said was that if he wasn't able to come to the school that we were funding, he would essentially have been a pirate and he would have been shot at sea by the cops and his life would just be over. And that really resonated with me. There were kids here that wanted to go to school. They wanted to wake up every day. They wanted homework. And on the other hand, I was waking up every morning like, oh, psychology, oh, sociology. Oh, my God, that teacher's giving me a headache. And so it completely changed my life. And I think I was in Kenya for a total of about 36 hours. It was very much in and out. And it changed my life. I remember coming back to Dubai and I was suddenly that kid who's like, why didn't you come to school today? Do you know how important your education is? Um, and so I became this massive representative of education and the wonderful power that it had to transform lives because I saw it firsthand. I got to speak to these students firsthand. Um, and it was really, really life-changing. And after that, I kind of discovered that with my frustration and with this transformational ability, I could maybe make a career out of it. I could wake up in the morning and actually firsthand make some changes, like let people see that this education, your degree has this ability to completely transform your life. Um, So that's where I am today. Um, I kind of just did my bachelor's degree in education at the University of Brighton, and I graduated in August 2019. Um, and that's where I'm at right now. Sorry, I feel like I rambled on so long, but it's a story no, that I just was, love to tell. <laughs> it was really exciting to hear your story. And what I found fascinating was the fact that actually it you weren't in Kenya for terribly long, and yet you said no, it changed your life. And you could you could see the value in education, which I yeah. think within um, – I know within the UK, within the UAE, perhaps it's something that if it can be taken for granted, the fact that education is so valuable to have Absolutely. because we're so lucky to have it. But you only realize the value of something when you don't have it. Absolutely. And I think I think a lot of the students in my school, including myself, we tended to focus on the things we didn't have in our school, like, oh, we don't have a big enough football pitch. Oh, we don't have lockers. Oh, we don't have this. We don't have that because we wanted what we saw on TV. But actually going to Kenya and seeing that all these kids wanted was a teacher and a notebook really put things into perspective. It's like, I have that. In fact, I have that in abundance and I need to be more grateful. And now I'm really seeing 
the potential my school could do to my life without a locker or without a massive football pitch. And it is, it's, it is about equality, you know, the quality of opportunity. And oh, yeah. sometimes that can be, you know, even within the UK and the UAE, as you said, um, you know, the UAE, depending on how much money you have, depends on which school you can go to. Therefore, it's a quality of opportunity there. Yes. Similar in the UK, you know, depending on what, what you can afford or what you can do. Some people can go to private schools, others go to state schools and, and are maintained. And yeah, it's, it is a quality of opportunity. So when you went to do your bachelor's, that wasn't in teaching? No. So I actually did my general degree in education. So my degree was actually called Bachelor's of Education. Oh, um, wow. And, okay. Yeah. And um, it's, it's funny because a lot of people didn't know that was a thing. So a lot of people do their bachelor's and maybe primary education or a secondary education, which does give you a PGCE. So it does give you your teaching qualification. But I didn't want that. I wanted to see what else there was in education. I wanted to know what kind of things we were talking about in the policy side. I wanted to understand all of these other aspects to it that we're not teaching. I kind of wanted to get into like the meaty stuff, the really good stuff where we could fight for equality, where we could make all of these changes and and so essentially my degree focused a lot on like research of education. So how you could conduct ethical research studies to understand more about the industry, um, a lot of policy development um, modules. Um, and we also did bits of like psychology and learning, um, sociology um, and things like that as well. But overall, the degree kind of was there to equip you with the skills to conduct educational research and understand the crux of education, kind of the history behind it, how the curriculum was created, um, rather than to give you a teaching license. That's really interesting. And I have to be honest and say, I wasn't didn't really know that such a thing existed. I assumed that if people went and studied education, they'd automatically become a teacher. But as you say, that's not necessarily something that you wanted to do. You didn't want to become a teacher. You wanted to... Yeah create change yeah exactly and and the reason why I didn't want to become a teacher is because I personally think it's a very difficult profession so I have a lot of respect for teachers but also I thought if I could find another way to make change I want to do it and so I thought a great way to start was my bachelor's degree in education because you can of course always get your PGCE that's always an option that's out there um, but this was a great alternative and I think most importantly it just really sparked my passion and my fire like it kept me growing and it kept me really like alive and understanding of different aspects of it also because I didn't grow up in the UK when I moved to the UK I also understood a lot about the education system in the past I also did a couple of modules in comparative and international education so I was kind mm -hmm. of expanding my knowledge to other countries like Hungary and Finland um, so it was great it was really fascinating and it's true. Not a lot of people know. I think in my cohort, there was a total of maybe 30 of us. Mm -hmm. And in comparison, my university had, I think, 300 people in their engineering course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you have talked really about um, wanting to equip yourself with more information and with the power yeah. to transform. So what have you done or what do you want to do now that you know you've got the degree under your belt? That's a really good question. I, I like that question. And to be honest with you, I don't know what I want to do. I don't know how I'm going to make this change 
that I so badly want to create. And the reason why I don't know is because I'm still learning, right? I don't know what's mm-hmm. the best way. So for example, when I was doing my degree, I really wanted to get into curriculum um, curriculum creation, um, which is quite a predominantly like teacher-based skill. Like you would still need to have your PDCE and work your way up in order to become a curriculum creator. Um, but while I was in Brighton, I did a lot of work with alternative schools and I realized that their, what they did, what they did in these alternative education schools is what I want to be a part of. So right there, I had a complete shift and I realized that I want to work with alternative schools. I want to do their research or I want to be a part of their creation. I want to be a part of this movement that takes away from traditional schools. Um, But unfortunately, because I had visa restrictions, um, I had to move back to UAE. And in UAE, like I said, a lot of the education is privatized. We have traditional schools um, and our alternative education schools tend to be SEN focused. Mm -hmm. Um, There's not a lot of growth to work with them unless you're an SEN teacher um, or, you know, you're more focused on that side. So it was quite challenging. So in the UAE, actually, a massive Um, scope for potential and for growth here is the edtech industry. Um, And I think in some way, edtechs are trying to change the way schools are, right? There's a lot happening there. They want to bring changes about. So I kind of decided that I wanted to work in the edtech scene to see if there was a company or a platform out there that is helping schools to make a change. Because while alternative schools are their own separate little bubble, Who's helping the traditional schools? Who's helping the teachers that are struggling and want to do better? Who's helping the students who are in traditional schools doing better? So presently and at present, I'm currently exploring the ed tech space because it's what I know is in my capacity Mm -hmm. and it's where I'm learning a lot. Um, So that's kind of how I want to try and see change being made. So my previous work experience was with an ed tech that focused on teachers and teachers lesson planning, and they wanted to break the status quo of how teachers were doing their basic everyday administration tasks. But, you know, I, I went, what's next? And I think talking about equality, I recently stumbled across an ed tech that actually aimed to help refugees with their coding skills. excuse me, so that they could build a better future. So there's so much out there. It's incredible. There really is. Now, you've talked a lot about making a change. And I love the fact that, you know, helping refugees with coding skills. Wow, what a difference that would make. But what sort of changes do you want to see? Um, So personally, for me, I think some of the biggest changes I'd uh, I'd like to see focus on racial equality in education. Um, so for example, a topic that I focused on a lot in in university are two things. The first one is the decolonization of the curriculum. And that links a lot to my passion and curriculum creation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason why I'm so passionate about this is because I am, of course, an Indian brown girl, very proud of my background and my ethnicity. But I never felt really represented within my curriculum or within my school. Um, and even though I went to an international school, I never felt that I was learning about myself. I felt like I was learning about English history and English geography. But where are the other countries? Where are the other representative, like the other representations? How do I learn about Black history? How do I learn about American history and all of these other things? 
Um, so I think that's one aspect that I really think needs to change. And I know there is a lot of momentum about decolonizing the curriculum. And this is something that doesn't just stick with schools, but also in higher education. I remember in university when I did my education degree and we did educational philosophy, all of the philosophers were white men. Yes. And I thought, surely... I did exactly the same. Right. It's strange. It was all Plato, um, mm. Paulo Freer. But I was wondering, surely there are other philosophers out there that weren't white. Surely there are other standpoints. There are other perspectives that we could look at. Um, and it really frustrated me. So I think that's one aspect that I'd really like to see um, improve or changed, um, especially in schools. Um, I remember I had a former colleague who lived in a small town in the UK, and she said that her children had probably never seen someone of color before. And mm. things like these are not represented within the curriculum and within their school. And after speaking to me, that's actually something she does want to implement. She wants her students, to, her, her children, sorry, to know that there are other people out there and that it's very normal to be living in an international community. Um, we live so in a global community, don't we, really? Exactly, with the, with, exactly. with the, way, the way that social media has taken off, with the way that EdTech's taken off, all of that. Exactly. Actually, exactly. our connection. I mean, look at us. Here we are chatting. You're in Dubai. I'm in England. <laughs> we're just chatting like, you know, we're sitting opposite each other in a coffee shop. Exactly. And the barriers have been removed. Now, this is what our young people are growing up into. So actually, it's really important that they are aware of the world around them and not just their that their tiny village around them or their local community. Absolutely. And I remember um, during my degree learning that, you know, the education system and the schooling system tends to kind of prepare you for the workplace environment or the workplace that society is going to put you in, right? And I just mm. keep thinking to myself, does the modern day education system really equip us, equip future students for this future workplace that's created as a result of the pandemic. Like, like you said, for example, we're global, we're working. And my current job is remote. I'm interacting with people in Spain, in the UK. And I just think it's important for that also to now be reflected in schools that we're no longer a sit on your desk, do your work kind of society. We're a interactive, global, we're talking, we're connecting, we're commuting. There's so much more to life now. I don't know if you've heard the podcast I did with Carl Poupe, but he talked about that. He, um, I think right. it was Tiny Voice Talks Revolution. And okay. he was very, very much about the fact that actually, you know, we are teaching our classrooms and classrooms that were created in the Victorian times. We're still teaching our children <laughs> in that respect. But actually, the yeah. likes of, and I've, I've mentioned this before on um, podcast because it just blows my mind. He told me that actually Google now no longer recruit based on on what you have achieved based based on your skills you know what skills you show because they're going to be continually teaching you new things and they want to check that, that yeah. you can actually pick up stuff and learn as opposed to what you've already learned because actually Absolutely. and you work in in the field of ed tech you know how fast it's moving you oh, know we can't, can't be sitting there going well actually I've learned to do that now so I'm there you yeah, know. absolutely. It's changing. It's fast paced. And mm. you know, I hope and it's global. And I hope the education system also begins to reflect that. It has to, doesn't it? It truly has to, because if we're 
if we're actually growing global citizens, which is what we are doing, we're educating our children to work in a global world, then surely our education system needs to represent that. But I think what you said a while back was really powerful. You said that you never felt that you were learning about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So powerful. And I wonder how many of our young people sit and think that. I, I can't even imagine. And and this was just me. And this was me who was angry and feisty. And I wonder how many, I, I, I really had to fight. Even in my bachelor's degree, I, I fought to say, hey, I'm an international student. I don't want to write my essays based in the UK. Please give me the opportunity to look into myself, to base my essays elsewhere, to truly reflect that as an international student, I want to be international and I don't want to pretend to be British. Because it's difficult. People don't really see it. They don't really understand it. So I I can't even imagine how many kids must feel like this on a day-to-day basis. So we've talked about racial inequality, but I know you're also passionate about gender inequality. You're passionate about inequality that arises from disability, etc. What would you do? Would you, would you change education in the same way? Do you think the answer is the curriculum? Do you think the answer is something different? Um, I also think with gender, there's a lot to access to education. And the reason my particular interest comes about in gender um, inequality is is leading back to India. Um, And so actually one of the biggest issues in India is, of course, the caste system. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of caste system discrimination in education. So if you were somebody from the lowest caste, you actually don't have the right to an education according to society. Now, of course, the laws reflect differently, but schools will frown upon students from the lower castes who try to come into or it could be their parents it could be their family um and so i think i think as a as a whole as a society the stigma that we have to education especially in india and and so another thing that also makes it worse is from is if you're from the lowest caste and if you're a girl you're even further discriminated against and i remember reading a case study where a girl from the lowest caste felt that her only way to a better future was through marriage, which is understandable as this is how they think back then. But she went to school and she met a young boy who she really liked and who she met. And now her parents automatically felt like her value or her worth within a new marriage was less because first of all, she went to school. And secondly, she had she had a crush on this boy, essentially. Mm. And for me, that was just so powerful that your parents don't want to send you to school because you might meet another boy. And therefore, your value in terms of your dowry, which is the money you get when you're married, is suddenly less. And it's suddenly of lesser value. And to me, it's just crazy that society sees education like all parts of the globe have different perspectives of education like if you think about my experience in Kenya these children were raised up by their schools but in India when you look at these girls they were brought down by their education so I think another large part of it is the impact society has and ironically enough I think the way to break the stigma and to break the status quo is through education because who's going to take the time and who's going to take the patience to 
teach you that, hey, your school is important other than the education system. I mean, I can't think of any other way. Do you know what amazes me listening to you speak, Ashna? Is that <laughs> you are a young woman who has just recently finished her degree, and yet you talk with such passion and conviction about things that, you know, real solutions and an and, and understanding of international education. Um, Thank you. Really Thank you so much. Quite something to listen to. You know, I really hope that you go on to rule the world. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I want to be queen of the world. Uh, do you know what I think? You, I think you do well being queen of the world. I do. Oh. oh, thank you so much. That's that's made my whole week. I'm gonna have a great week now. I'm gonna envision it. It's gonna be on my mission board tomorrow. Yeah, I love that vision board. I, I am going to be queen of the world. But I think it. What's really interesting is when you're talking about education with respect to Kenya, with respect to India, with respect to the UK, with respect to the UAE, you're right. It is viewed completely differently in all of those different places and based yeah. on who you are. Yeah. Um, out of interest, so you, you have an Indian heritage, but how did you end up living in the UAE? Um, so UAE is quite expat focused. So we it's, it's mm. very international. There's a lot of people here. Um, and when my dad was maybe around 26, 27, um, mm -hmm. he and his brother ventured off into UAE to create his own business. Um, and since then, my dad has just stayed. Um, and my parents met in India and my mom moved to India here with my dad. <laughs> Oh, I see. But I'm right. Yeah. So you, you're all you're all there. Do you go back to India often? Yes, um, I do. I used to go once a year. But then when I started university, it became a bit difficult. Um, and now with the pandemic, it has been over a year, unfortunately, since I've been back, but I can't wait to go. And, you know, the beautiful thing is that, like, I want to help my country as well. And I really do see myself one day working there, whether it's to help the students there, to help their education system there. I see it happening. And a lot of people will tell me, well, aren't you afraid of the corruption? Aren't you afraid of being a girl in India? Because, of course, India, some places are known for being not so safe. And I just think, no, because I have the opportunity to help my country, my country that is essentially me, my ethnicity. This is where I'm from. This is my home. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the world is my oyster, right? <laughs> It really is. And it's it's interesting to listen to you talk and actually refer to India as your home, um, you know, even though that yeah, you've been definitely. born and brought up in the UAE. Because, yeah. it, you know, I think often the place that we class as home isn't necessarily the place where we have been brought up. I mean, that was always a bit of a rub with my mum because my mum and my dad are both from Northern Ireland. Okay. So, but I was actually born in England and then we moved over to Northern Ireland later. But oh, I've always yes. called myself uh, Northern Irish, even though I live in England again. You know, I am Northern yeah. Irish. Um, and it's, it's a funny one, actually, how we define, you know, our nationality and, and who oh, we absolutely. believe we are. Absolutely. And, and I think, you know, with UAE and being Indian, it's a bit tricky because even though I've been born and brought up here, my like ethnically, and my passport are Indian. So UAE is my home. But if you want to get really technical, my passport is from India. So there is a bit of that identity crisis. And I guess ultimately, India is my home, because that's 
where I would go if God forbid anything happened. But UAE is also my, it's, it's, it's very strange. I think, I think anyone from UAE listening to this right now will understand it because UAE becomes your home, but you also know that it's not your home home (laughs) in some strange way. (laughs) Yeah. It's when I talked, um, to Evo about this he was yes. very very similar the fact that actually it's a very transient place it's a place yes, that people absolutely. live in but they don't have it as their home per se yes. and what I love is that you said you know the world's your oyster and it truly is Ashna I mean with yeah. with the way you're thinking with your passion with your thoughts I really truly believe that the world is your oyster yeah absolutely and that's why I keep telling myself and like since the pandemic hit, it's like I now suddenly have the opportunity to work with anyone for anyone, all from the comfort of my UAE home. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh, <laughs> I, I just so love sweet. the way we connect on a global level now. I really Me do. Too. And you know what, Toria, this is something I wanted to mention earlier as well. When I graduated and when I had to move from the UK to Dubai, I was scared. I was scared because I was like, what am I going to do there? There's no scope. What am I going to do? But I will never forget. And I will always say that the education community, whether it's on Twitter, whether it's on LinkedIn, they've just really scooped me up. And I feel safe. I feel so safe within the education community. Everyone is just so nice and everyone is so friendly. And no one told me, nobody told me that like, hey, when you're out in the real world, it's actually not so scary. There are nice people. And every single person I've met in the education community has always been willing to talk to me, have a phone call with me, give me career advice. And it's it's beautiful. It's absolutely incredible. And I'm so grateful. Oh, that's so lovely to say. And I think you're right. And I think you've connected with people that that share your passion for education and the yeah. value that education you know, has yeah. really. Absolutely. Now, as you know, Ashna, I always end my podcast asking everyone the same yeah. question, which is this. If you could have been taught by anyone, living or dead, who would have been your perfect teacher? So this is a good question. And I really like this question. Uh, however, I'm going to have to go a very um, non-traditional way and say that I think there is no one that I would have been that I would ask to have been taught with because I think all the teachers in the past and all the teachers currently, including you, because you are a teacher, who have come (laughs) into my life have come into my life for a reason, whether it's to enhance my frustration with the education system and get me to where I am today, they've done it. Whether it's to open my eyes out to the inequality faced in schools, Mm -hmm. they've done it. I remember I had a literature teacher in school and she was not afraid to tell me that she was underpaid compared to um, a white teacher in our school Mm -hmm. just because she was from Pakistan. And so I just think all of these teachers who've already come my way have been perfect and they have taught me exactly what I've needed to know. And that doesn't stop here because as I'm in the education space, I am interacting with more teachers. I'm interacting with people like you. I'm interacting with people on Twitter. And I strongly think the universe puts people into your life for a specific reason. And so there is no one person in mind that I would want because I want everyone in my life. I want everyone to teach me what they need to teach me. A really non-traditional response, but really <laughs> powerful. I love that. I really do, Ashna. Thank you. Thank and you so I. I have loved talking with you and connecting. Me too. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share my story. 
Oh, you're so welcome. I can't wait to see what happens next in Ashna's world. Thank you. Thank you so much, Toria.